This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Pancreatic cancer is the deadliest cancer, with only 8 in 100 patients surviving five years. This Friday marked the second annual World Pancreatic Cancer Day, when countries and organizations around the world band together to raise awareness and hope for a cure. Today I'll be joined by a world leader in pancreatic cancer research, Toronto's own Dr. Stephen Gallinger. Plus, this time of year, many snowbirds are finalizing plans for another winter down south. Along with picking the right destination, activities, and travel dates, picking the right health insurance is a crucial part of any long-term getaway. And it could be more complicated than you think. I'll get some tips from Joan Weir of the Canadian Health and Life Insurance Association. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The Canadian Foundation for Healthcare Improvement is calling on all hospitals, long-term care homes, and other healthcare facilities to expand access for visitors. A recent study of 114 hospitals across the country found only 30 have more patient-centered visiting policies. Meanwhile, research has shown that patients who have loved ones around them frequently during a hospital stay have better care, experience fewer medication errors and falls, and have lower rates of readmission at ER visits following their discharge. An increasingly warped sense of humor could be an early warning sign of impending dementia, according to UK experts. The University College London study involved patients with frontotemporal dementia, which affects the area of the brain involved with personality and behavior. Questionnaires from the patient's friends and family revealed many had noticed a change in humor years before the disease was diagnosed. That included patients laughing inappropriately at things like news reports of natural disasters or even loved ones scalding themselves. Experts say more studies are now needed to understand how and when changes in humor could act as a red flag for dementia. The Zoomer years can be a time when you make peace with your life and your accomplishments, and Stoney Emschwiller is no exception. When he was 18 years old, he was so sure that he would become rich and famous that he recorded a video where he interviewed his future self. Now, 38 years later, he's recorded the answers to that interview, and his video has gone viral online. Take a listen. Why don't you tell me something that I would... Never have guessed. Uh, I like to snowboard. <laughs> That's right, it doesn't even exist. <laughs> voiceover acting. You know what voiceover acting is? You don't even know what it is, do you? <laughs> have you ever built a 
This week, we lost the New Orleans-born R&B legend Alan Toussaint. He broke into the music business in his teens, writing hit songs, including Working in the Coal Mine, Mother-in-Law, and Southern Nights. Many of his songs were later covered by other artists, including the Rolling Stones, Ringo Starr, Glenn Campbell, the band Jerry Garcia, and Bonnie Raitt. Toussaint was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998 and was awarded a National Medal of the Arts in 2013. He suffered a fatal heart attack after a concert in Spain on Monday night. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's that time of year when snowbirds are heading south. Unfortunately, there's a nasty surprise for those buying travel medical insurance. Premiums have increased twice in the last six months, and the increase is more than 20%. For instance, a healthy 70-year-old woman will pay more than $1,300 for six months, while an 80-year-old with some health issues will pay between five dollars and $10,000 for the same period. Industry insiders say it's not just the low loony that is driving up costs, but there are ways to keep the price in check while making sure you have the coverage you need. Joan Weir of the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association dropped by our studios. Claims have been going up. I would say that in the industry, about 98% of claims are paid, not rejected without a problem. Um, Claims are going up. Insurance cost is going up because of the high medical cost, to tell you the truth. Um, Especially in the U.S., um, medical costs are very high, hospitalization increasing, seeing a doctor all going up. And that's reflected in the rates that you see in your insurance premiums for out of country. So it's not just the lower loony. Would the premiums be different depending on your destination? If you were, say, going to Mexico instead of the States, would, it, would the premiums be lower? Uh, they could be. They could be. Um, Mexico might be a good example of that. Europe, perhaps. Definitely Middle East, the, the rates would go down for that. So let's get to somebody who maybe has some kind of pre-existing condition. How does that affect the rates? Well, it's all in the stability. So that's a word that's used in insurance. So if you've been stable for a period of usually 90 days before you go out of country, uh, which means no change in prescription, you haven't had to go to the doctor, there's no tests pending. If you've been stable for that period of time, your rates should be uh, relatively good. It's that person who is not stable, whose prescription is changing, who needs the medical care that will pay the higher rate. Say you have a prescription for some kind of heart medication. Is that going to affect your premium? Well, again, as long as you're stable on that medication for a period of time prior to leaving, again, 90 days is generally that norm. If you're stable on that medication, um, your premiums should not be affected as much as if you were changing medications, trying to find the right one, becoming stable. What are some of the misconceptions that people have about their insurance and what they're covered for. People really need to understand when they're completing an application or a questionnaire, a medical questionnaire, they need to understand what's what the wording means. I think there's quite a, um, a perception that my condition isn't listed there, so I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to put it down. Disclose everything. Disclose everything up front so that you know that you don't have any worries behind the scene. 
really make sure you know what you're covered for. Read the policy exclusions. Um, if you're an adventuresome traveler and you want to do some zip lining or scuba diving, as many do who are now traveling south, um, make sure it's not excluded. You can find travel insurance that will cover you for those events. Because some people want to go mountain climbing and, and do all kinds of wonderful things on their vacation. And there is insurance for that. You may pay more because it would mean your risk is higher. There have been a number of cases that have come out in the media, probably in the last few years, where people have purchased travel insurance, thought they were covered, traveled, and then found out that their claim was not paid for. A um, couple of instances that I can think of that, one of them had to do with um, alcohol. So there is an alcohol exclusion or an intoxication exclusion, I would say, on almost every policy. So if you have an accident while you are intoxicated, then um, the claim would not be paid. Another thing that we're finding is that there is a lack of confidence in travel insurance. So what is the regulator looking at then if there is this perceived lack of confidence in travel insurance? Well, um, the regulator is looking at um, having heard some of those cases in the media, some complaints that perhaps the ombudsman have looked at. Um, they are looking at uh, rejected claims. They might be looking at how many times a policy is voided. And what that means is you thought you had coverage, you purchased something, you went away, you had a claim, and the claim wasn't covered, the policy was voided. A policy is voided because something isn't disclosed on the application. So if you don't disclose you've got a heart condition and you do, and it's found out at the time you have a claim, then the policy was never in existence to begin with, shouldn't have been issued. So it's voided. So all of those things the regulator will take a look at and come up with some, uh, some recommendations for the industry. For the first time, I'm seeing that one of the ways to reduce the cost of travel insurance is to go for deductibles, the same way you'd have a deductible on your car insurance. That seems to be new. Yes, and I would say it's not too prevalent. An example from one firm is that you can cut your premiums by 10% with a $300 mm. deductible, 15% with 500 and 20% with 1000 most claims that we reimburse to people are small. You know, I've got to go to the doctor, my ear hurts, I've got to get some, some medicine for something, the flu, whatever it happens to be. Most of them are small out-of-pocket change, so would fall into that deductible. For the large dollar claims where the 100000 up, you know, a deductible like 1000 is probably not much to pay for that type of coverage. There's also something to do with what the insurance industry considers big birthdays. Uh, which happen every five years, so that you can save money that if you buy your insurance when you're 74, even if it covers you when you're 75, it'll still be cheaper. Explain that, please. Yes, um, there are big birthdays, and they can occur at 60, 65, 75. So those are dates to be aware of. And if you are planning to travel, purchase your insurance when you're before your birthday. Hopefully it falls well for you, so you can do that. Uh, and you will save on on price for sure. Those are the things I would say is really read it carefully, know what you're buying, and make sure you get every coverage you can that you need. Okay. Joan, okay. thanks so much. You're quite welcome. I've been speaking with Joan Weir of the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Friday was World Pancreatic Cancer Day, and unfortunately, out of all the cancers, it remains the deadliest. But there is progress being made. In just a moment, I'll be joined by Dr. Stephen Gallinger. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. 
Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. This Friday marked the second annual World Pancreatic Cancer Day with 56 organizations from 26 countries banding together to raise awareness and create hope for those fighting this deadliest form of cancer. As one of the few long-term survivors, it's a cause I'm passionate about. It's the only major cancer with a survival rate that is still in the single digits. If there are no major breakthroughs, it will be the second largest cause of death from cancer by 2020. But there have been important advances recently, and there is reason for hope. I talked with one of this country's foremost pancreatic cancer researchers, surgeon Dr. Stephen Gallinger. Probably the biggest advances have been made in the areas of supportive care and chemotherapy so that people are living longer, um, certainly a few months longer, perhaps a year longer. Can you give me an idea about how long people used to live for well, and what, what's happening now? Certainly you'll hear stories, and those are true stories, of people dying within weeks, literally two or three weeks of a diagnosis. Now, in some cases, the diagnoses were late. So there's a bit of what we call lead time bias, meaning if you pick up a case earlier than it used to, but the person would die on the same day otherwise, that's not really an advance. But having said that, people are progressively living longer now, up to two years is not unusual, and that we never saw that uh, a few years ago, and that would be because of better chemotherapy, uh, better maintenance of quality of life, and a better understanding of the needs of patients. This is not like breast cancer or prostate cancer or colon cancer or even lung cancer, which was usually a rapid death sentence, but now there's been significant advances in all those common cancers. So we have not made that kind of progress. Surgery can be a cure, as I know, Mm -hmm. but only about 20% of patients are eligible for surgery because that means that their cancer hasn't spread. But now you can give surgery to more people. Please explain that. If there's more heightened awareness by the public and by the medical community of symptoms and early signs, then a patient might be referred to a surgeon earlier and the tumor is smaller and resectable. So that's not really a surgical advance. That's more of a diagnostic and awareness advance. Well, that, that underscores the importance of awareness, doesn't it? Right, for uh, sure. And even for, not just for the public, but, but for doctors, for GPs. Yeah, yeah, the medical community has lagged behind you know, some of the advances in understanding this disease. You know, it's hard for medical schools and family doctors to keep up with this disease. If a family doctor sees a 60-year-old with new onset diabetes or worsening diabetes or a bit of weight loss, uh, you know, they need to be attuned to the idea that uh, this could be a, a, a case of, of pancreatic cancer. The imaging is better. As you know, imaging gets better and better every, every year. There's new MRI technologies, CT technologies, and others. We don't yet have a blood test, but there's lots of work underway to try to identify what are called biomarkers. So if we pick up the disease early, there's no doubt that that will improve outcomes. And we were talking about surgery. Surgery itself is safer than it was uh, in the 80s and 90s. So in the centers that are doing many of these operations, the outcomes are good, meaning most patients, the great majority of patients go home within a week and uh, without major complications and are back on their feet shortly afterwards to receive chemotherapy. 
Uh, in some centers like ours and a few others, we've extended the indications, meaning there are some tumors that traditionally would be not operable, mostly because of invasion of major blood vessels, but with new skills and improving skills of surgeons who are able to remove these tumors with those blood vessels and reconnect them. Wow, uh, that's, that's, that's quite something. Yeah, we can do more. You, you um, compared pancreatic cancer to the most common cancers where the mortality rates have really gone down. Why is it so tough other than the fact that it's often found late? It really is a matter of understanding the disease and the basic science. It's just gone faster uh, with the other cancers and there's many reasons for that. There is progress being made, so we're trying to subtype which is kind of the new era of personalized medicine where we recognize that not all patients are the same, that not all the tumors are the same, so they obviously shouldn't be treated the same. And that's where you're seeing advances in all the other cancers where subtyping is really quite uh, exciting with real benefits seen to patients. We're just starting to do that with pancreatic cancer and we're seeing uh, some tangible benefits. Can you just go over those symptoms that they should, should make them maybe think about this? Most of the, many of the early symptoms are fairly nonspecific, and they would include unexplained weight loss, fatigue, obviously pain, any abdominal or back pain that's out of keeping with anything that you can explain that persists for more than a couple of weeks should be looked at. Jaundice or yellow skin is an easy one because uh, anybody can notice that. In many cases, we hear that it's the, a family member that says your color of your skin is different. But often, uh, new onset diabetes in an older person, uh, worsening diabetes, sudden worsening of diabetes, that's another uh, fairly typical symptom. But unfortunately, we, there are no classical symptoms, and we don't have a screening test, and that's another area of, of research that's in, also interesting and moving fairly quickly. I mean, I think we really need kind of a grand slam, using the baseball analogy, you know, a new paradigm. I'm optimistic, as I have to be, looking after these patients and doing the research that progress will be made. And the short answer is I doubt it will be the second leading cause of uh, death in 2020. I just have that feeling. Dr. Stephen Gallinger is head of the Division of Hepatobiliary Pancreatic Surgical Oncology at the University Health Network and the leader of the Ontario Institute of Cancer Research's PanCure Initiative. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Neil Young reached a major milestone this week. In just a moment, we'll celebrate with some of his music. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Art State Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, it's a 1964 play by Arthur Miller about a group of men taken prisoner in France during World War II. Michael Wilson directs. Incident at Vichy is at the Pershing Square Signature Center. At the Art Institute of Chicago, it's Degas at the track on the stage. The exhibition explores the artist's career-long fascination with the figure in motion through racetracks and the ballet. To London, England, where the legendary Dame Judi Dench is on stage in The Winter's Tale. Dench plays opposite Kenneth Branagh 
in Shakespeare's dark and disturbing play. The Winter's Tale is at the Garrick Theater. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, Neil Young, one of Canada's most iconic musical artists, celebrated his 70th birthday. From his early days in Buffalo Springfield to Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young and his time as a solo artist, it's been a long and very successful career for Mr. Young. He still heads out on tour every year, and when he's not on the road, he's known for his outspoken views on the environment. Right now, we'll travel back to 1972 and hear one of Neil's biggest hits from his album Harvest. Here is Heart of Gold. I want to live. I want to That was Neil Young with Heart of Gold. The iconic Canadian artist celebrated his 70th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nyman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandrill. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.